how do we actually plan for multiple scenarios? Whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a resiliency issue because of wildfires or extreme cold, you know, and there's going to be other things that come up. And, and that's really where you got to create a team and really commit to doing these things for your customers as you look at your long-term plan. This is Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. This is episode 40-040 of the Flux Capacitor. We feature discussions about the future of the business of electricity on this podcast and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face but using Zoom. Today, the conversation is about the current and future state of the electricity business. My guests are from Guidehouse. I'm joined by Dan Hahn, who is Partner, Energy, Sustainability and Infrastructure, and Craig Sabine, Director, Canada Utilities Lead. Dan, Craig and I talk about the key themes in a recent report by Guidehouse, the 2021 state and future of the power industry. And like many previous podcasts, we close the conversation with a book recommendation, but in this case, three books that we will add to our Flux Capacitor reading list. Here is my conversation with Dan and Craig, recorded in early July 2021. Welcome, Dan and Craig. Uh, Glad you were able to join the podcast. Thank you for having us. Francis, it's always great to, to get to talk to you and um, to the CEA membership. I thought maybe we'd start off uh, with uh, a little bit about Guidehouse and what Guidehouse does, kind of where, where it came from. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about Guidehouse? Thanks, Francis. Absolutely. And thank you for having us today on your podcast. Um, Guidehouse was formed three years ago as a very unique uh, consulting company between the public sector and the private sector, uh, servicing really our clients' largest problems. Um, The industry that we work in is in healthcare, energy, financial services, and uh, many of our our, uh, federal uh, businesses around national defense, national security, and those that are primarily in in DC. Um, As Guidehouse, uh, specifically around the energy space, um, Guidehouse was a, is a, a company that was created by taking the public sector business of PwC three years ago and then combining it a little bit over a year and a half ago with Navigant. And okay. that has now created the Guidehouse brand. Gotcha. And so many of your listeners um, recognize Navigant as the uh, energy consulting company. Right. And we are now part of the uh, new company called Guidehouse. And that is where the Guidehouse brand has, has uh, come to. Gotcha. Okay. And then we're, we're talking to you from Chicago today, uh, but we're also talking to Craig, who Craig, I've known from Navigant uh, for a number of years. And Craig, you're in Toronto. Yeah, that's right, Francis. Um, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Um, I look after the energy and utilities part of our business um, nationally here in the country, as as you know, and, and many of our listeners likely know. Um we, my team here, or our team in Canada here, is is primarily from the Navigant um, part of of 
of the, the legacy business. Right. And we've been in the market here for over 20 years, actually, as, as Navigant. And, and, you know, with the merger with Guidehouse, we have become Guidehouse and become one team, of course. Um, but certainly um, we, are, we are known as um, professional services and consulting providers for the energy and utilities businesses here in, in, in Canada. Great. Now, Dan, you mentioned uh, uh, work in D.C. Um, so is, is Guidehouse to, like a, a North American uh, firm? Is that, is, that, is that where you work or do you work internationally out, outside of the, the Canada-U.S. Uh, bubble? Guidehouse is a global company. Uh, our headquarters are based in D.C., uh, so we service uh, our North American uh, customers, both in Canada and the United States, as well as in Europe and the Middle East. Wow. In fact, uh, as part of the uh, practice that I lead globally for what we call the energy providers, uh, we do have customers that include uh, those that are in the UK, Germany, Benelux, France, and the uh, Middle East. Gotcha. And one of the things that Guidehouse does is, is you do uh, you do a lot of a lot of work and a lot of thinking about the current state and the future state of the, the industry. And I know there's a there's a an, an annual publication that that comes out. Uh, I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about that today, if you don't mind. I'd really be interested to hear some of the insights, um, given the the depth sort of the depth of the bench strength at Guidehouse. Some of the insights that that the firm has with respect to kind of where the electricity sector uh, is today. And then, of course, this is the Flux Capacitor podcast on the future of electricity. Where you see the where you see electricity going in the future, Craig? Do you want to start off and give us a sense of kind of the, what the current state is and where you see things going? Sure, sure, absolutely, Francis. I, I you know, I think it's a it's a perfect topic um, given the theme of the Flux Capacitor. So it's it's yep. a nice and um, as as you now know, we've we've been doing this public utilities fortnightly piece for six years now. Yep. Um, state and future of the utilities industry um, focused primarily on North America, but certainly global in its, in its reach. I, I think the best way to start is to talk about the five key themes that came out of this year's uh, survey portion of the publication and, and what we found um, in the work uh, which surveys utility executives um, globally um, who participate in, in the piece each year. The number one challenge um, this year that was identified, 54% of respondents um, are seeing that resiliency due to climate change is the number one challenge facing our industry today, right. which is um, obviously very pertinent right now, given some of the uh, the current weather that's going on across North America, we've, we've seen record um, temperatures and heat in, in Western Canada. It's, it's really been um, a, an interesting few weeks or, or month of June for our, our Western friends here in, in Canada. And, and I know in the U.S. similar similar stories are, are happening. And the challenges that provides or results in for, for our utility and infrastructure companies certainly um, are, is something that uh, we are all looking at with with a very close eye and 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 how to um, look to the future and and make our systems more resilient to uh, our changing climate, which which we know is is going to continue to occur. Um, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned wildfires and 
it yeah. wasn't it wasn't so months so 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 many months ago that we were talking about the deep freeze in in Texas and the impact of that on the sector. So it's it's both sides. That's right. That's right. And it's it's uh, you have to be ready for for you know anything and everything. Essentially, it, it seems these days when when you talk about climate and weather, um, there are other you know factors um, that you that we all have to think about when it comes to resiliency of our systems. Yeah. Um, systems being our engineering systems, our economic systems, and our policy systems, um, they all need to be resilient to to change, disruption to the future, and 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 that's really the the core theme of 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 I think what the industry is seeing looking forward. Okay. All right. So number one, resiliency due to climate change. Where do the where did you go to next? Yeah. Number two, um, number two challenge for the utilities industry specifically is 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 you know, our, um, our participants are seeing uh, a shifting of load from industrial and commercial to residential. Okay. As some of the themes um, continue to evolve in, in electrification and, and, and technology um, disruption and change within the consumer sector, of course. Um, and as we continue to actually affect the the first core challenge which you know is rooted in in climate change and, and mitigation of climate change we see um, a lot of focus on electrification as as a, as a possible means to, um, to to mitigate impacts of climate change so you see that shifting load from industrial and commercial source and I think that's an important one for Canada because a, a many of our provinces um, of course are, are, are major electric utilities from province to province certainly are characterized by um, by heavy industrial commercial loads in comparison to, to residential. Right. Um, and that's an important feature of, of running um, the utilities that, 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 that we have here in, in Canada. Number three um, is the disruption that renewable energy and DERS are having on our current utility business models. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess really quickly how I would characterize that is, is renewable energy um, because of the low marginal cost of renewable energy by and large, as well as the variability, it, it's, it's having um, some, some impacts on the wholesale level or, or on markets, right? On wholesale markets uh, in, in the sector, suppresses prices, causes some, um, some funny things to happen within those markets, whether they be you know, vertically integrated and regulated in, in the context of the market or whether they be um, open wholesale markets, depending on the jurisdiction. And then the DER side of things more at the load end or within the distribution system um, are, are very much disrupting the utility business. Mm-hmm. Um, holes and wires, um, the cost of service based business that that we all know and, and, and have been, um, you know, working within for hundred years now. Right. Uh, number four outcome was the, I think, more strong belief that remote work, and, and I know we talked about it offline very briefly, right. um, started the podcast today, uh, is going to become a, a, another disruptor in our economy. And, and in turn, that will affect the electric utility um, sector and, and the electric utility business. Um, as you see more and more likely suburban load um, increase as a result of, of a shift from um, you know urban center 
uh, economic activity to to much more suburban and and more disparate economic activity as people move to work from home. Um, and the last is is stakeholder demands around ES, ESG, okay. um, yeah. social governance issues, which are driving um, you know management strategy. I think management and and operational changes to our to our industry and to our businesses. So how how big is that last one? Because um, it, it's come up in in a couple of previous co- podcasts with some of the the CEOs in the in the sector. The challenge of of those changing expectations on on the part of the large number of stakeholders. This isn't this isn't a blip now. I take it because I, I've been hearing about it. This is a, this is a trend. Dan, what's uh, what's your take on on ESG as a trend? The ESG trend is absolutely here to stay. I think that's number one. And when we look at ESG and the depth of the value that it provides for, you know, I look at it basically for three groups of, of folks in simple terms. One is, you know, when I have conversations with utility CEOs and we think about this, we think about one is how does it impact on your customer? Right. Customer expectations, as you as a utility and energy provider, your role in ESG is higher than ever before. And the expectation that you as a utility operator absolutely have to orient your strategy around addressing ESG on all three facets, right? Just not on environment, but also social. We we see the social injustice um, situations that we've had in the past year on top of COVID, on top of climate change, right? That's another facet. And then governance and governance is really around much more than just purely, you know, what does your board look like? It's really how you execute your strategy and interact with your with your community. The second group of folks is is really your your shareholders. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the investment community, the investment community is very serious about this. They absolutely if you take a look at the largest um, uh, investors, institutional investors, and even on retail investors, they take a very serious look at what is your role in this. And then the third group that I advise our clients to think about is your own employees. Okay. When we look at the folks that are on your teams, they want to be part of something meaningful. This goes beyond just purely a job. This is absolutely part of how do I make an impact through my work on ESG. And this is why I think this is, and, and I think, you know, you know, your listeners will also appreciate this is, this is here to stay. And this is absolutely critical as part of any sort of um, dialogue that, that CEOs and their leadership teams will be having in, into the future. Hey, Dan, maybe, maybe I'll pause here and, and ask, ask you and then I'll ask Craig about your journey. I think the listener is always interested to hear uh, how people uh, come to the role that they've got. Um, it, it's got to be uh, a pretty darn interesting working um, in a big global practice in, in, the, in the energy space as a consultant. Um, I, I don't recall seeing that as a course in college. How do you, uh, how do you, how do you get to, to uh, uh, do this kind of a role? And, and what was your journey to, uh, to what you're doing today? Absolutely. Um, I joined GuideHouse uh, a little bit over a year ago, um, specifically to take on a leadership position at GuideHouse to drive the energy provider and the commercial business that we have within the uh, energy uh, industry. Um, and it really attracted me, Francis, because of the unique platform we're on. Mm-hmm. 
in regards to being able to take private sector and public sector into one approach to the market, right? Okay. So if I think about the regulatory, the policy, the actual commercial side of execution, you know, especially when you look at North America and you look at across, you know, the pond in, in Europe and Middle East, there is a significant um, uh, value proposition to work with our clients on helping them through their energy transition. Right. Before Guidehouse and joining Guidehouse in this leadership position, uh, I was uh, I was with Accenture for 25 years. Oh, okay. And as you know, as a consultant for 25 years there, I worked in a, 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 a variety of industries. Right. I started on financial services. I worked in manufacturing. I worked in heavy industries. I worked in in um, uh, communications and high tech. I worked in media <laughs> and entertainment. Uh, but the, the last 10 years of my, uh, of my um, uh, career at Accenture was focused primarily on resource companies, energy companies, oil and gas, <laughs> chemicals, natural resources. And that's really where my passion for the energy industry, you know, basically took off, right? As right. you can imagine, I started out as a, an analyst, right? Focused on uh, financials and focused on uh, financial consulting. But then as I evolved through various industries, I had the chance to uh, start out um, about a little bit over now 12 years ago, uh, working in the energy sector and um, the, the, the change, right? And being able to make an impact in, in what you think about, right? When you think about what's core to any sort of um, 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 critical function, right? Mm -hmm. It's energy, it's healthcare, right? And, and I think about how we as a, as a business are impacting that. That's where my career has evolved and taken me into where I am today. Interesting. Okay. Craig, what about you? What, what's, what, was, uh, what was your journey? Yeah, mine, um, I, I think for, for, for almost all of my career really has been pretty focused on, on getting to this point um, for sure. But, but before I think that started, I, I was, um, as most young, um, you know, either students or, or, or fresh out of, at a university, didn't have a lot of direction, um, didn't know what I wanted to be or, or what I wanted to do, but I was lucky enough, um, while attending the University of Waterloo and, and, and participating in, in a degree, um, on environment and resource, which was really, uh, in environment and resource policy science type of degree, um, to be in the in the cooperative education program at Waterloo, which we know is 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 one of the best in the world, and and I I ended up working at Environment Canada for a short period of time, oh, okay, internship, and and focused on looking at um, market based emissions mitigation policies um, in preparation for some of the first um, trans border policies that that were being um, developed and enacted. In, in Canada um, around SOX um, and, mm -hmm. and pollution at the time. And we were working with a consulting firm actually um, while I was at Environment Canada. And that consulting firm was, was, was ICF International and, and they were running a model to help us to understand the impacts of these policies. Yeah. They ended up recruiting me um, from there and I ended up in 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 consulting um, for for nearly twenty years now. Um, as a result of that, I, I was very always very focused on the energy sector um, and sort of the the nexus of of the of energy and and the environment. And and early on, that really that really captured my 
um, my imagination and, and, and captured my, um, my, my, my focus really. Um, it was very interesting to, to understand how the energy sector works and, and how it impacts the, the natural and the human world and, and how the electricity sector in particular um, really is an underpinning of, 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 of a strong, you know, growing, robust and resilient economy. Um, electricity really touches everything in economic life. And without it, um, you know, we don't have the, the progress um, or, or the openness to, to grow and to innovate and, and to change that, that we all um, enjoy. So it, it's a fundamental element from, from an economic point of view. And, and I love that. And then being a consultant is great, you know, getting to work with, with all sorts of different people, um, a diversity of companies, a diversity of, of functional areas. It, it, it really gets me up every morning and, and excited to go to work. And, and, and frankly, you know, I think sometimes the perception is that, that, you know, consultants are, are experts and, and, and we know more than our clients do in, in, in many cases, but, but that's really not the case. It's the opposite is true. Right. And, and, and I'm learning every day. It's like, I'm still in university every day. And, and I love that. I love waking up and learning new things and working with, with people on, on, on challenges and opportunities and, and, and really helping our great, you know, our great utility companies and, and energy providers here in Canada to, to succeed and, and, and build resilient businesses and systems. Great. We did a, a little bit of a drill down on ESG. Uh, let's talk a little uh, more about one of the other uh, themes that, you, uh, that you'd identified, and that was remote work um, as a, a disruptor. Uh, in the economy and and what that may look like over time, I guess maybe the first question is: Is this really just about you know uh, COVID nineteen and the impacts of COVID nineteen, or were we already heading in this direction and it's just hastened it? Uh, and then I guess maybe the second thing I'd like to kind of get your views on is uh, is what is that likely to look like uh, over time, Dan? You know, this, um, it's interesting you ask about remote work and, and how folks will uh, approach the next, you know, the next phase of their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we firmly believe when we talk to our customers and we look at the trends that uh, the hybrid work environment is here, is here to stay. Right. You know, if you look at um, several of the recent um, uh, major corporations and, you know, they're debating, hey, do we ask our folks to come back? Do we expect them to remote remotely? And even ourselves as an organization with almost 10,000 people, you know, we look at, hey, you know, what is the right formula for success when it, talk, when it comes to our own organization and our, and our clients' organizations? Yeah. And really, is the key word is around flexibility. And when we look at engaging in, in, um, in this, this new norm of, of us engaging like this virtually, as well as, as in, in groups, um, the productivity levels, you know, you've heard of increased with regards to remote work. Right. There is going to be fatigue with regards to, you know, Zoom meetings and, and, and video calls and, and et cetera. People are going to be excited to get back together. Um, you know, here in the States, you know, we, we are evolving quickly, much quickly than most countries. And, and it's great because now we can we can actually collaborate in person. Right. I do think as we look at, um, you know, when uh, to the listeners out there, you know, as you go through your own journey, because each organization will have to go through their own journey in regards to hybrid uh, work environments. There's a couple of key things to keep in mind as we look at 
how do you engage with your employees? How do you engage with your customers? Mm-hmm. I think the way that this, uh, this, this COVID post-pandemic world will look like is customers' expectations are going to continue to evolve. And the fact that as utilities have transitioned and um, worked through this period of remote work, there, there are some of the ways that they interact with their customers are going to stay. And in fact, those that have invested in digital technologies, those that have invested in ways to interact with their customers without having to be in person, we do you know, quite a lot of work around you know, evaluation measurement work on customer programs. We've been able to do those things virtually for our customers and for our clients, for their customers in many cases. Yes, you'll have to have some audits done in person and those are coming back and folks are getting back on the field, out in the field. But there is going to be a changing work environment, even with the energy providers and their customers. And that, I think, is an exciting thing because then that takes, that takes it to the next level in regards to customer engagement. And the number one thing that we've heard about is resiliency. We've heard that these things are key. The engagement with customers is going to be a big component of that. And I think that's what the future is going to bring. Right. Right. And, it's, and, and then it's going to continue to have an impact on, on load. Um, as, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Craig, when you talked about, um, you know, this is this is shifting load already, and, and that'll continue to, to have an impact as we go forward. Um, why don't we talk about that shifting load? And, and one of the other themes themes you mentioned was that that shift of load from commercial and industrial to uh, to residential, being driven by a number of things. We talked about um, remote work, but being driven by electrification uh, in in some instances. What's that going to look like over over the next uh, couple of years? Uh, and and what are the prospects there? Yeah, I mean, I I think. The combination effect of 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 the changing um, working environment for for people, whether they you know, regardless of what industry they're in, where 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 that flexibility that Dan talks about um, is important for employees, I, I think you know employers are going to be providing that flexibility. So you're going to see people spending more time away from the office. Um, and as they do that, they're going to become more interested, I think, in, um, you know, the, the technologies, um, the assets, whether they be a, a functional asset, you know, in terms of doing their job or, or whether they be a consumer product, right, um, that is going to lead to increasing load in the residential sector, Um I think you're going to see more interest in the next five years in 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 that type of 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 technology growth and and adoption of of new technologies mm-hmm. as a means of of facilitating the new economic life, as well as I, I think just building more excitement and 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 more demand for um, you know innovative consumer products. And, and what that's going to do is, is really bounce load around and, and, you know, where urbanization in, in North America for, you know, for many decades now has led to a hyper focus on, on infrastructure need and infrastructure renewal within the urban center. We're seeing a lot of infrastructure need um, both from a renewal standpoint, but also, you know, a, a new growth edge standpoint in 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 suburban and, and more rural communities which um 
is something that for many decades hasn't been the case, um, you know, outside of the, 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 the real 905 GTA areas in, 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 in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting to see the utilities. Um, you know, I look at Ontario as a good example where um, we, we have so many um, municipal utilities um, in the province and a lot of focus is going to be on hyper growth in, in some of those smaller utilities. Um, right. and that growth is, is going to, I think, um, you know, be comparable to, to, the, to the, the, the core urban utility type of growth cycle um, that we've seen for, for many years now. We also mentioned earlier that the disruption that's going to come, that is already coming and will continue from uh, both renewables and distributed energy resources. Um, you know, we're, we're now living uh, in, a, in a world of uh, net zero 2050 targets. Um, and so the expectation, uh, I guess, is that this is only going to accelerate. Uh, is, is, that, is that the view as well from, uh, from Guidehouse that, that both distributed energy resources and, and, uh, and renewables at, at, I guess, at grid level are, are going to continue to, to, to increase and increase on an ongoing basis? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, driven by many factors, driven by some of the things we talked about around building, climate, building for climate resiliency, building for climate change mitigation, right? The ESNG factors that we touched on yeah. are driving forces behind investment in, in renewable energy and, and, and distributed energy. I think the, the DER situation, um, and particularly in Canada, is, is going to be amplified by um, some of these um, changes in, in the working environment and, and the flexibility needs of, of consumers, which you know consumers are by and large utility and electric utility customers. So um, there's going to be a lot more interest, as I mentioned, in, in these technologies um, to be invested in closer to, um, closer to home, closer to the customer. And, and I think, you know, employers and businesses are, are seeking more opportunities um, in that flexible working environment to locate um, in, in, in very different locations now. Um, you know, there's, there's access to workforce, but, but there's also, if that workforce is now more spread, um, more diverse um, around the country. Um, you, you're not necessarily um, pigeonholed into mm-hmm. development in you know major urban centers anymore. And of course, with our real estate markets the way that they are, um, there might be. Uh, I, I know I would be investing in in you know if if I'm if I'm manufacturing something, I'm I'm looking um, to different parts of the country than I think. Um, has been the, the the common case for for the last couple of decades, um, because there's um, there's there's infrastructure, right? There's capable workforce who want flexibility and and diversity in living situation, and and um, there's a great opportunity for employers to uh, to site outside of 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 the GTA. Yeah, and, and Dan, the, the, yeah, Dan, this is this is not just a, a Canadian. Uh, um, uh, phenomenon. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're seeing you're seeing this in the, in the global practice as well. Absolutely, um, it'd be great. You know, we do have a uh, integrated DER study that we released in the third quarter of last year. Okay. Um, you know, maybe get a copy to you and, and to your listeners. It's actually an interesting thing because when we talk about in our in our 
in our study here in our research paper was really around the acceleration of the uh, integrated DER uh, environment. And it's really around, you know, four things. One is clean, distributed, mobile, and intelligent. Mm-hmm. Intersect that with five scenarios. And those five scenarios are with your customers, with policy and regulation, with business models, with technology, with operations. And so, if, you know, what we call is we call it a trend impact matrix, right? So you take those four things, right? Clean, distributed, yep. model, mobile, and intelligent, and intersect that with customers, technology, policy, regulations, business models, and operations. And that gives an idea of, hey, you know, how do we look at clean customers? Mm. It's a sustainability story. How do we look at mobile technology? It's around electric vehicles. Right. How do we look around policy and regulations with with uh, with uh, with uh, distributed and, and an example would be uh, uh, New York Rev. And so these are things that, as we look at operations and intelligence, well, we have to consider cybersecurity. So yep. these are all things that, as we look at an integrated DER environment, and it's quite frankly going to be accelerated. These are all considerations that the listeners should evaluate. Mm-hmm. How do we prepare ourselves for that environment? And I think. That's a, that's a, you know, there are several no regrets activities that you can take on, right? How do we think about aligning, you know, we got to break down the silos, right? Because this is yeah. a very cross-functional collaboration, right? Yeah. And that's number one. Number two is how do we play offense and defense, right? You know, typically utilities are focused on playing really good defense, right? How do you protect the core business? Right. But then you got to think longer term around, hey, you know, you have to have an offensive strategy around maximizing revenue and value creation. You know, a third thing is, you know, how do we actually plan for multiple scenarios, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a resiliency issue because of, of wildfires or, or extreme cold? Um, you know, these are things that, you know, and there's going to be other things that come up with regards to things that are going to have disruption in the, in the, in the energy sector. And, and that's really where you got to create a team to dedicate around these opportunities and really commit to doing these things for your customers as you look at your long-term plan. So these are, th- these are the ways that we look at this. These are the things that we're seeing in the market and what we're talking to our clients about. Yeah, and you, you mentioned, uh, Dan, you mentioned cybersecurity. It's been a, a pretty horrible um, year so far from a cybersecurity standpoint. We've had a number of pretty significant events uh, that have, have occurred. I do know it's something that, that Guidehouse thinks a lot about. Um, what kind of perspectives do, does Guidehouse have in terms of the, the future prospects of cybersecurity as we increase the, the, the number of devices on our networks, increase the number of devices in homes? Uh, um, what's, what is that going to make the business look like in the future? Cybersecurity is going to be a fundamental um, operational component of any business now, right? Yeah. It's um, you know similar to what I say in the word for sustainability. I, I teach a class at Northwestern University for their masters in energy in uh, energy and sustainability, and you know we use the term sustainability is going to be a normal function for regardless of what type of business you're in. Right. Cybersecurity is exactly the same thing, and the interesting thing about resiliency and the grid and the digitization of devices and the more remote operations is imagine a curve of increased technology and increased devices and increased connectivity and increased that in itself inherently brings cybersecurity as a major 
component they have to think about versus 50 years ago, right? You had a person go out there and check a device yeah. completely on its own, not connected to anything. And the only connection was that human that actually went out and looked at that device. In today's world, with preventive maintenance, with monitoring and the investments that we're making on a capital side to maintain a more resilient grid, these threats are going to be a natural case. And we at Guidehouse have a very unique proposition that we've worked with our clients because here's an example of why, you know, I go back to the marriage of public sector and commercial sector as one entity that we are. We have tremendous experiences with our national security agencies, mm-hmm. right? And that experience we have at the federal level and then combine that with the commercial sector and in regards to IT and OT security, in regards to all those things and bringing that together, imagine how powerful that is, right? I mean, in in layman's term, you take the best cybersecurity experts that work for the Canadian government, plus the best cybersecurity experts that are on the commercial side, put them together and just think about that value, value proposition we bring to our customers. Right. That's the beauty about why I'm so excited around helping our clients in this area, because quite frankly, this is this is another quote unquote new norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the solar winds thing that happened in 2020, right? Wake up call for many people, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the things they hear about Colonial Pipeline, wake up call for many people. These are things that we've been talking to our clients about. Hey, it's going to come, right? You know, you heard banking get hit. You heard, you know, health and records get hit. This, the, you know, well, yes, we heard about grid attacks in Ukraine. Hey, it's going to happen here and it's a matter of time. And now it's here. And now that you see it, um, it it's, it's absolutely real. Yeah. Craig, the, you said this was the, the sixth year of doing the, the uh, state and, and future of the power industry. What was the, the biggest surprise, if there was a surprise this time around? Or was, there, was there anything that was a real eye-opener for you when you, uh, when you uh, looked at the 2021 uh, edition of this? I think that the, probably the biggest change, I don't know if it's a fundamental change in the message that came out, but, but certainly a change in the framing or the tone of the message that came out was the resiliency piece. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's funny that you, you brought up cyber just now. And, and I would say, you know, I, I kind of distilled it down to the top five issues in the yeah. report and cyber would have been, you know, five and a half. Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah. So, but I also think that that really is, is connected in <clears throat> to the idea of resiliency as well. Right. I mentioned early on that, that there are many factors that, that, that contribute to and impact the resiliency of systems. And it's, you know, climate change is one and, and obviously an important one and, and, and one of, of great um, focus today and, and, and urgency. Um, I think cyber is right up there with, with it um, in terms of when you think about how to build, maintain, and, and, and strategically prepare systems for resiliency over the long run. Um, cyber is right up there, um, 1A and 1B with climate, um, because mm-hmm. these systems will be impacted by um, these cyber challenges. And, and I know the industry is, is very focused on, we are, you know, to, to, to Dan's point about um, our capabilities and, and our services in, in cybersecurity and, and compliance with critical infrastructure protection um, protocols in North America, 
um, we, we have one of the best businesses there and, and, and we've spent um, a lot of energy in the past 18 months to ensure that the Canadian utility industry is, um, is well aware of that. And, and we're seeing a lot of interest and traction um, and we are supporting a number of, of Canadian utilities um, today with, with that a very important work. Um, so I know the Canadian utilities out there know this, but for other listeners who are concerned, um, <clears throat> concerned customers or concerned consumers certainly know that, um, you know, your utility organizations and your critical infrastructure organizations are, are on top of this stuff. One of the things I ask everybody that comes on the podcast is about a book, either a book that they're currently reading or a book that they've recently read that they would recommend to the listener, the Flux Capacitor Book Club. So, Dan, why don't I start with you? Uh, what book would you add to our uh, Flux Capacitor Book Club? Absolutely. Um, I, and we're, we're, on, we're on Zoom, so the listener doesn't know that, that you've got a bookcase right over your shoulder. So. I do. You know, um, I, I love to read. And um, actually, this is a book that uh, I just finished recently. It's an Andrew Roberts book called Churchill, um, Walking with Destiny. Um, it's a bit of a long read, but, uh, you know, I've read books about Churchill before. But this one was a really great story from start to finish. And just his experiences... Things that I really, you know, the level of detail that's in this thing, this book that uh, Andrew wrote, Andrew Roberts wrote was, is phenomenal in regards to how, you know, as, as, you know, you hear about Churchill, you hear how great of a man he was and, you know, leading a nation through such a troubling time, but my goodness, he had a lot of failures. And yeah. as we yeah. as leaders, right, as we as leaders in your, in, in the work you do, the work Craig does, the work I do, you know, as leaders, Failure is an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And, and um, the other thing that I learned about is he was very passionate in the way that he did things himself, right, in the, in the process. And, and, um, and it's incredible how he was able to do that, um, even in his leadership role throughout the years. Um, it's a phenomenal book. If, if, you have, if folks that are listening are, are love to read about history, I'd highly recommend this book, Walking with Destiny. All right. Churchill Walking with Destiny by Andrew Roberts. We'll add that to our, our book club. Uh, Craig, what book are you going to add to the uh, to the Flux Capacitor book club? Yeah, it's a tough, uh, tough question for me, Francis. I spend most of my reading time nowadays um, reading to my young children. So many uh, <laughs> children's books probably at the top of my list as a result. But I, I, how about I give you two quick ones? One um, would be related to professional life, let's say. Um, it, it, it's a book called um, The Zero Marginal Cost Society um, by Jeremy Rifkin, um, something I read about five years ago um, when I first came to, to, to Navigant Guidehouse. Um, and I actually reread some of it recently um, because I think it's, it's, it's a book really about um, the disruption and, and rapid pace of change in, in our economy and in our society. And the impacts of um, a lot of services um, in the economy um, getting closer and closer to being zero marginal cost. You think about a lot of the entertainment um, and, and I, like reverting this back to our children, um, you know, children love to watch these YouTube videos and, yeah. and social media videos um, of entertainers who are, are, are now, you know, monetizing millions of dollars um, opening a gift or a toy, um, 
and, and kids find that to be massively entertaining somehow. So um, <laughs> it's an interesting take on on the evolution of, of economic life. And, and that was pretty interesting. The other one, uh, a more or more personal one, I, I also enjoy leadership um, books a, a whole lot and, and, and personal stories of adversity. Um, so the, the Jordan Tutu biography I read recently called All the Way, My Life on Ice. Um, I'm also a big sports guy and, and, and hockey nut. So um, very interesting, um, very interesting individual. And, and obviously um, reading about the challenges of, of growing up um, Indigenous in Canada and, and, and how he, um, you know, made it through some of the adversity in his life to, to, to get to be who he is and, and have a successful um, hockey career and, and, and now be a, a successful community leader, really, and, and an inspiration for many is, 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 was a really important read. Well, it's fantastic. All right. So we've got the Zero Marginal Cost Society and the uh, Jordan Tutu biography. Dan and Craig, uh, I want to thank you both for taking the time to jump on the podcast. Uh, thank you for a really interesting discussion. Our pleasure, uh, Francis. Always uh, great to, to speak to you. Um, and I look forward to the next time we can get together. And thank you, Francis. Appreciate uh, the invite and uh, really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future podcasts in our Net Zero 2050 series, which includes industry, government, and stakeholder guests further discussing the implications of and the pathways to the Net Zero future. And as always, let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.